Yo, First Smoke family, we got another one for you today. Shout out to my man, Jimmy Devine, a cannabis journalist and a true active member of the community. He hosts an event called Trans Bay and many other things. Shout out to you, Jimmy. We got a lot of love for you over here, the First Smoke family. And you know, we got to get into it. GrowGeneration.com, use the code FIRSTSMOKE10 in stores or online. Grow Generation is going to take care of you. They got literally everything. And if you want to switch to drip, go to family at firstsmokeofthedaycom Email us. Let us know you want to switch to drip. If you're not happy with how your weed's tasting or you want to try a new nutrient line, reach out to us. We're going to get you hooked up. Tell them the family sent you. What else, Blackley? FSOTD.com. We drop early content and exclusive content that doesn't get dropped anywhere else. It's the only place you're going to see a lot of the behind the scenes off the mic, fsotd.com. Also, we have all of our affiliates on there, all the codes that get you discounts and get hooked up with all the people and things you see on the show. You know we're rocking with Dr. Dabber. Code is first smoke. That gets you hooked up. We're rocking the XS. He's got the white Evo. It's nonstop. You see us using them on the show. Dr. Dabber, two we're plugged with, first smoke of the day. Let's go, man. Shout out to you guys. We appreciate you watching. And without any further ado, Got my man Jimmy Devine, episode 101. It's first smoke of the day. Let's go. Yo, what's good, First Smoke family? We're back with another one. It's your boy Pack in the building here with my co-host, Black Leaf. You already Episode know what's up. 101. Ooh. We got my man, Jimmy Devine. How you Boom. doing, homie? Like 16 months in the making or something like that. We finally connected. I'm so Come excited. On, You've remember, been all around the world and back. Says, yeah, I caught you the, for my first time. It was honestly, uh, that was my first time leaving the country in years when I caught you guys in Barcelona in 22. And it's so crazy to think like uh, the, the passport, passport's definitely got a few more stamps since then. Uh, so it's been... Super fun. Glad to finally uh, make it happen as we had intended uh, when we linked up at HQ back then. So great to see you too. Absolutely. Great to have you, bro. You know, it always comes around. I'm about it. I'm about so, it. So you were talking about before we got on this um, about smoking a blunt in every continent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Catch us up on <laughs> that. Said, okay. Catch so this is, this is just by chance this year. Right now, I'm already at, uh, you know, North America, Asia, Africa, Europe. So if I'm able to get down, if like Colombia is in the mix right now, Colombia is not outside the realm, realm of possibility, then I just have to like hit Oceania, Australia and, the, and catch the whatever boat I catch from our, uh, to Antarctica, I'm probably going to catch from there anyway. So grab some, grab a sack from somebody in, in Australia, burn one down before I jump on the boat, bring an eighth for when I get there, hit every continent in a year. Imagine, imagine. I can't imagine anyone else has done that yet. So, you know. That's pretty good. I didn't even though. think I like about that. that. I wonder if any, yeah, smoke blunt in every continent in the same year. Antarctica's the the big catch. even weeds. Period, though, not just a blunt. Like it's yeah, just, yeah, just the weed, fun to yeah, do. Period. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Just do it. Having to do. It just happens to be what, the way I'm going to do it. But does just hash count the vibe? Yeah, I, definitely. Okay, it should. 
God, I'm- so hash in Antarctica, I can. I was thinking flour would be a little tough, but hash is definitely. Yeah, you bring it up. You bring it in your makeup kit. A yeah. thousand percent. Pull out the banger. <laughs> hash smugglers are so hash smugglers are so fun. So, I don't want to get. So I gotta have a fresh Doctor Dabber. I don't want to get too into it, but I'm at, ha- I'm at a hash smuggler in, uh, in Asia, and uh, he had like 20 ounces of fucking fire California rosin on him, and he showed me how he got it. I was like, "Wow, you are, you are too clever, sir!" Like it's just crazy times right now. Hash is so fun. How is he doing it? impressively with solid technique and uh, a thought out process but the game it's fun watching the game change everywhere like when we uh, when I went to Thailand for the first time uh, there was like 600 dispensaries and that was like November-ish when I went back in January I think there were like 800 and now it's probably like way over a thousand and there are people a little sketched out about the elections and stuff like that but uh, generally speaking, the ball is rolling hard until it's not. Like it's it's just it's going down until it hits hits the uh, it's going downhill until it hits the wall, and that wall ain't there yet. So like, homies are trying to cash in, find a Thai business partner. Um, that's the play. It, it, does it feel like Cali Prop Two Fifteen days? Uh, like that open smoking and kind of open. Well, where what it's it is like, though, I, I actually cool, I mentioned this cool. in the when and I went so I went with John from High Times uh, and uh, the High Rise guys the first time. And one of the things I mentioned in the documentary is what you see in Thailand and Bangkok, especially, is uh, in California, uh, one of the things you saw was like dispensaries happened in like phases. They all kind of like looked the same at the same time to an extent. You know what I mean? First, you had these like little hole in the walls that nobody wanted to invest too much infrastructure in. It was either a whiteboard or a chalkboard with a menu and some jars and some bags. And worst case scenario, uh, it, was, it was some landlord's spot anyway. So you, you didn't have to worry about that because that was when all the you know asset forfeiture stuff was way even crazier uh so you know that first phase of california dispensary looks like it looks like a cheap trap shop right mm-hmm. so eventually you'd get to uh you know let's say 2008 harborside harborside looks like the first like retail heavy dispensary uh there's some stuff that kind of gets a little clinically looking that doesn't look as trappy like lapcg didn't look as trappy like it looked like a, a doctor's office with a glass case, kind of like or a dentist office with a glass case for sure. But Harborside uh, took it to another level. You know, that was the for, that was the first like where retail experience and the cost of spending money on that retail experience was really uh, taken into account. And then two years later, you get Spark and Spark like aesthetically, like design wise, uh, changed like the dispensary game forever. And we're kind of still in that phase now uh that started with spark where people are trying to build these like hyper pretty retail environments that are like enticing and like welcoming and all that it's interesting where it's gone and like what the the <laughs> ultimate uh puzzle piece is because it's like is that the way or is or do you people like the trap not to say the trap version but <laughs> that like more welcoming homely feel sometimes than an apple store it's you interesting know, yeah no, i've worked at the same store uh you know since 2009 and it does with the exception of some hd tvs it doesn't look a lot and a little bit more counter space doesn't look a lot different like you know it's like uh my boss is on the bus with jack um so it's like well, that's that's the vibe we're coming from uh and obviously it's berkeley uh so it is you know you, you got to be a certain kind of operator to survive there and uh we've just you know that's us <laughs> but it's been crazy seeing we were in that situation up north obviously 
in the Bay, you had San Francisco and there's a bunch of shops in San Francisco, but in the East Bay over in Oakland, Berkeley, you only had seven clubs for so long. So it was kind of like, we all like crushed it for so long. And then the city started like giving out more permits. And as legalization came around, people want like more, more opportunity. Uh, we saw the equity program in Oakland, of course, first in the nation. That was like the first, that was the first wave of dispensaries that started to get added to the list. And then now we're at a, a bunch and it definitely is an all mom and pop, but uh, it's, it's a competitive market. It's like in hyperspeed, things are moving fast. Um, talk more about Thailand. Like when you were out there, like, what is it like? Like, what is the product look like? And like, that's a lot of dispensaries. I mean, how is that uh, laid out? So yeah, it's, it's a bunch of uh, last year's outs from here. Uh, it's like there's Fuck. a plane, there's plane loads going every week for sure. Um, a bunch of the weed there, a bunch of, of the weed grown there indoor is like C minus C. And then we lucked out. Uh, we found Medicana in Bangkok, which is the one, um, affiliated with like Dr. Dope dispensary. That's the grow for Dr. Dope. And, uh, the stuff that comes out of Medicana is serious gas. Like it changes the bar. It changes like the bar for the whole continent. You know what I'm saying for me? Like, cause when I go somewhere, like whatever the best representation of hash or flour there is the bar for me, right? Like this is the best. This isn't, I know this is possible here. You know what I mean? So when I went to Medic, when I saw the Medic Hanoi, like this is after we've been looking around for a bunch of days, like trying to find the heat. And it wasn't, there was some fun stuff. There was still some stuff that was like, we didn't mind smoking. We hadn't find, we didn't find the heat yet. So when we walk into Medicana and you know, you've flown around the world on this quest to find this thing and you don't think you're going to find it. And then you pop that jar and you just start smelling like real chem dog. Like, Oh my God. It was some, uh, it was some sensi dog and some double dog. And both of them were up to par. Like I could sell, I could sell them in California. Like it was like that. It was like, it wouldn't be like the top shelf, but it'd be right there with that. It'd be right there with those like $45 rates we see in the rec market right now. A thousand percent. And it was, it was fun to find that in Thailand and know that that's possible in Asia. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Medicana then. Yeah, yeah they're going man. crazy for sure. The bar. Mm -hmm. That sounds. It's dope. like vindicate. They're like almost vindicating. Are you know they I mean? doing like any like events and stuff? Like, how's that working? Like, where do you smoke? Do you smoke in the shop or? Very so. Sub show. Uh, the easiest place I found to smoke weed inside was in the middle of the Nana, which is this world famous red light district. So it's like a mall with a courtyard, like a four-story mall with a courtyard, but every store in the mall is a strip club. But in the middle of the courtyard is this giant beer garden. And basically, this beer garden is the only, you can smoke in, there's a bunch of dispensaries you can smoke at. They don't like, I mean, there's not too much enforcement on it now. They have lounges and stuff. It's getting a little weird because of the election. But generally speaking, the only place I found you could like legally drink a beer and like smoke a blunt at the same time was like in the middle of like this like famous red light district. And it was so ridiculous. Like the, just that concept to me, like Bangkok's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you know, we found the heat. Um, there was this other place that was crazy. Oh, Plantopia. And plant, so Plantopia is on Quezon uh, Road. Quezon Road is one of the biggest uh, tourist destinations in Bangkok. And it's basically this little, it used to be this mall that was full of like generic drugstores. So people go in there and buy all the, the fake whatever. And then uh, once legalization happened, they, they got rid of all the drugstores. And now it's a bunch of like mini dispensaries. And there's like a little lounge in the middle of all the dispensaries and shit like that. It's sick. That's kind of cool that the prescription drugs, drugs went out and the plant came in. That's kind of cool that, that it went like that. Yeah, I'll try to do an event there for sure. Uh, I got a 43 story rooftop. 
was trying to lock in a date. I got a 43, 43 story rooftop thing, hold 350 people. Um, so I'm just trying to lock in a date. That'll probably be late fall, but this year, yeah, dude, let us know. Yeah, we'd love to come be a part of it. Did you see any peyote in Thailand? No, I saw a bunch. I uh, ended up linking up with this dude who basically had everything, uh, but I did not see any peyote. Saw a bunch of crazy. Saw I took some Laotian mushrooms. Um, <coughs> fantastic. Uh, Explain those for the people listening. Uh, it was I don't know. They were super uppity. You know what I mean? I don't know. I what did you say they were? What they type were like of mushroom? Up, it was uh, Laotian. So they were Laotian. mushrooms grown in just mushrooms grown in Laos. Got it. Uh, I wasn't told, I wasn't sure on the genetics or anything like that. But it was like, yeah, I took a couple grams of uh, those mushrooms and ate some molly from Berkeley uh, that somehow appeared there. It wasn't me. Um, legitimately. Uh, and yeah, so I, I had, uh, you know, had some mushrooms and molly in uh, Bangkok and it was like, whew, let's go. That was one of the funnest nights for sure. <laughs> but the problem was, the problem was I woke up the next day. I woke up the next day and I couldn't move because I, dan- I danced so hard that my body the next day was just like, oh yeah, you ain't built for that anymore for you. <laughs> You're like 36 years old. What are you thinking? <laughs> Party down. There's just all these videos shit. of me like at the club. And then um, all these, you know, I'm dressed like I dress all the time. Uh, and people in Bangkok, they dress like, when they go to the club, they dress like it's a wedding. You know what I'm saying? So they're just like, oh, look at this. Look at this crazy looking American country, country whiskey, American. Like, I'm just like, all right. I was like going from table to table. That's wild. That's <laughs> Making wild. friends. Oh, and then we end up at, so we end up at this after hours bar. It's open to like five in the morning. Um, and it's like some, you know, some crazy dudes bar. Uh, and I just like this, that was the night they gave me the tie stick. So one of the, they had a party for us and this dude came down, drove down, like drove, hiked in from Laos and then drove seven hours to Bangkok or something like that. So he, he made like a 20 hour trip to come hang with us. And he brought, he brought me like a full tie stick. So I spent that whole night rolling up the whole tie stick. And I, cause I had like 60, I had so many bunts in me. I found, uh, I, we brought so many broad leaps with us. So, and then at the party, the night we got the, uh, the night we got the tie stick, everyone knew, a bunch of people in Thailand knew I was going to be there. So people brought blunts for me. Like, yeah, Jimmy, I brought you one. So I was like, all right, come on, gang, like, the gang, like, the, the stars are aligning, gang, let's go. So I just sat there. For, if you look at the pictures from the party, like in almost every picture in the party, it's me like standing or in like generally the same area, like next to this tie stick, just rolling, just to roll a tie stick, light it up, pass it on. That was like the whole night. And then we, uh, and so we end up at the after hours bar with the tie stick and I just, I keep doing the same thing. And we just keep passing it around at the end of the night. This girl is just like, Wow. I've never even seen him let anyone smoke weed in here. Never mind this much. <laughs> Damn, big ass blunts. Huge ass blunts. Oh, I love Thailand. I can't wait to go back. Um, Food was good? Yep. Yeah, I hear awesome. a lot about it. Yeah. Where'd you guys like stay at and stuff? First, the first time I went, I stayed at like the Royal Family's Hotel. Yo, family, if you want to know where to get all the dope exclusive merch you see us rocking on the show, go to shop.fsotd.com. It's free shipping on all domestic orders. We're trying to hook up the whole family. We want you guys to rock the merch and show us you're a part of the family. All the ashtrays are on there. The lighters are on there. The trays are on there. The stonewash hoodie is on there. The family ties tea is sold out. You should have moved quicker. Um, (laughs) And also, yo, Tag us in photos. Let us know you're rocking the merch, you're rolling up on the tray, you're watching firstsmokeofthedaycom Let us know how you first smoke of the day. Hit us up on Instagram, first smoke of the day. How was that? It was insane. They put us on like the top floor, like private check-in. Uh, they were hyped we were there. They let it, we smoked blunts out front. 
we crashed weddings. Like, cause the homie that brought us out owned a dispensary in Japantown. He was like pretty connected guy in Bangkok. Mm-hmm. So he's like, we're walking into the hotel one night and he was, he lived in Bangkok, but he was a staying at the hotel. So he was like near us. Um, so we're at the hotel one night with him walking in and this girl's like, Hey, you coming to so-and-so's wedding? He's like, Oh, is that right now? Is that here? And he's like, yeah. So we all just like walk into the <laughs> wedding. Like I'm dressed like this. He's got sandals, t-shirts and his So it's like me, John, me, John, the high rise guys. And this dude like crashing this Thai wedding. And there's this video of the dude, like with the, the, the groom, like runs up to the door and like boss. <laughs> it's just so, it's so ridiculous. You had no idea what the fuck was I'm going so on. They're like, yeah, get him a drink, get him a drink. They're all, everyone's drinking whiskey sodas like Mad Men. That's like the thing. Okay. <laughs> That's fucking that awesome, funny. bro. Whiskey soda too, huh? You know, as long as I've been hearing about it, I've been wanting to go. I've just been, I've, I've always bitched out about the flight. It's not an easy one to just go do. You really got to be like, you know, have either a solid group or some solid plans and then have some time. No, it's too. worth it. Going solo dolo is dope. Like I've done it. Like I'm about I'm about to get into more of that, some more solo traveling. It's fine. Because I know people in different places. I just gotta pop up, right? And your trip's so much different when you're by yourself. Yeah. If I could give any concerts, everything's different when you're by yourself. Yeah, you're just open. Yeah. Yeah. And you're open to interact and shit. You're vulnerable as like a single person, you know, and people you feel more approachable, especially as like a guy, right? A yeah. lot of times with a couple guys together, it's an yeah. unapproachable scene yeah. for other people that are like, hey, what's You're up? Right. You know, where you become way more approachable. Anytime I've gone out solo somewhere, I have people that's like, hey, what's up, bro? What's up? And you just get in combos without even. Yep. Yeah. It's, when it's the two of you, really cool. When factor. the two of you are together, there's this like shield of hype. Though, like, yeah. People are like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or you're just in tune with a convo and people feel like, oh, nice, nah, right? Though, like a group of dudes, no one's really going to go up to you, you know? Why would they? Yeah. Unless, but if you're yeah. solo, it's like anyone will come up to you, basically. Yeah. I mean, for people you that know? don't, a lot go of people solo. are, you know, for other social people see that and they're like, oh, what's up? Mm-hmm. You know, like it's a different, different interaction. But man, that's dope as hell that you got to go. You went November, then you went uh january january Damn. so that was boom boom so it was cool because i was out there for the documentary premiere so like right as the documentary was coming out i was already there we were able to have a party at one of the dispensaries that was featured in it and everyone came out again <sighs> tell us about the documentary uh basically 28 minutes of me being the fattest man in thailand <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, it sounds good i, I, I actually want to see that that's funny because somebody tried to give me pizza the other day i was like you know on the, i'm trying to get thin it out a little bit for in hopes of more camera time uh, and uh, someone tried to give me some pizza the other day. I was like, no, no, it's fascinating. I, re- I realized I just said that. That just rolled off the tongue. I was like, God, man, that's really true. <laughs> but it was great. No, the documentary was awesome. High Rise guys crushed it. Uh, it, it, it. Covered our adventures on the hunt for that heat. It's basically a buildup to us finding that weed I told you guys about mm-hmm. and the tie stick because those were the two things we were looking for the most, right? Tie stick and fire. Like if you go into Thailand, like, you know, and, and again, I shouldn't have noted this. The tie sticks on fire. Thai sticks taste like the Mexican brick weed I smoked with my friends in Boston in 2001. A thousand percent. It's, it looked it, like it. It's, I it, saw it. It was pressed, almost pressed Definitely the same way. Like, it was more the flavor than anything. It really identical. Like the flavor notes really matched identically. Wow. Uh, and it blew my mind. It's like, man, I haven't smoked this shit since Blast I was in high past. school. Yeah. That would be crazy. Yeah. When, like, you, but you, I don't know if I would. To this day, one of the know. best I smoked, So I smoked like 30 blunts of that like ancient cartel yeah. flavor that night. And I was like, <sighs> They for sure were have good flavor, huh? Woke yeah. up, you had a chug oh, water tough. and shit. It was a tough. That was it's a lot of blunts, ago. bro. What got you on the blunts? I took a one. Oh, I took like fifteen years off from the blunts uh, and just smoked joints all the time. And then uh, one day, 
it was my homie's 30th birthday party and uh my lady got sick and i had to get a stay and so i was like I had this big day planned i had a bunch of weed i was like all right go on the party we're gonna have a good time uh lady got sick all right i gotta stay home and take care of the lady because like hey oh duh, duh. Uh, i was like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna teach myself to roll backwards today <laughs> Because that's the thing, Fuck. people are just people are just scared to fail, right? So I was like, I, I, yeah. I, I, so I'm I'm over that. Like I was no worry. When I wasn't worried about that, so I went about a pack. And by the end, I was like, by the end of the pack, I was rolling smokable things. And then uh, from there, you know, here we are, a few years later, X years later. Uh, and it's fun because it's kind of like a cheat code for weed journalism because you can taste it through a woods. You know, it's the goods. It's like, uh, you know, boom. <laughs> did you did you ever mess with tobacco before? Back in the day? Oh yeah, I smoked. Uh, Garcia Vega, uh, I smoked Dutch Masters. I smoked. I like Dutch Masters. Occasional. When I was on Blunts, I went from Swisher Sweet Cigarellos to Dutches. Mm. And then they had those game, like Garcia Vega did those game cigars for a little bit, which was right. I didn't at, fuck with those. I heavy. did right at the. They were right at the. You end. like that heavy smoke? They were right huh? at the end of my first blunt smoking wave. And then so what happened was I got to college in 05 and my roommate that lived with me was like the house blunt roller, uh, and he uh he peaced by sophomore year he was gone so uh i was just all right i guess i'm rolling joints and uh <laughs> so i rolled I, you know i ended up rolling joints for the next how, you know, how were you rolling your joints with like a dollar bill uh so, no i just uh rolled them regular and uh with you know you, I, but you couldn't roll a, a blunt usually it's easier to roll a blunt than a joint yeah i just couldn't i don't know that's because there's like the two layers like it's easier i think it's easier to roll a backwards than a joint but when Back, you, backwards but when you are have harder to take than a blunt, regular like, blunt I mm -hmm. did. I like. I think it was the two. The two layers of the like the blunts of yesteryear uh, were what I struggled with. Like I'd fuck up one. I'd like get the leaf off, and I'd fucking fuck up the inside one, or one or the other. So like when I was cracking it, yeah, I'd fuck like it up in some way, guts. shape, or form. Yeah. So I think when I finally taught myself to roll backwards, and it was just that one thing that I didn't. I was like, oh, I don't fuck this up. I'm good. Like it was like so that that's been really helpful. Yeah. <laughs> All the homies we came up with were on uh, Optimos too. You remember Optimos? I do, but nah. not it. Yeah. Well, these these the peach I, I like Dutch masters. No, they would just do the regular. But the Dutch masters were my favorite. It was either Dutch's or the more hardcore homies I had. Yeah, you know the Dutch master Palmas. We smoked yeah. a lot of those. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the but the pack. Optimos where they would wrap it around a Coke can. That was like some of my homies, oh, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. used to always be like, "Oh man, here we go." <laughs> here we go. Mo most of the time these days, I'm either smoking uh, Brothers Broadleaf uh run sleeves or zach leaves it's just i ran i ran out i would have had them with me they're all probably heartbroken that i'm got a big pile dude of shout out <laughs> the best shout out to backwoods though yeah man. everybody they they really got i feel like it started in new york first i had yeah, it was rasta men in new york like smelled weird like, i had a dude from new york come thing. down and was staying down in florida and he would smoke the fuck out of backwoods that was my first time hitting one felt like a a, a brick in my chest that shit was crazy i was not ready for that when I fucking hell, because I'd smoke plenty of Swisher Sweets, Dutches. Mm -hmm. Never smoked a backwood though. That shit was different. Yeah, I've probably to this day only had five. Shout that was out, shout out to Adam Ill for smoking blunts and running the LA Marathon. That was something to behold. Wow, what a fucking guy, huh? 
<laughs> he hit me up the other day. He sees my gym pics and he's like, hey, I got a gym, cannabis friendly. I'm like thinking like, bro, I'm not smoking at the gym. <laughs> That's crazy. Holy shit. That's crazy. Like, I got to have a break, player. Like, you bro, win. Dabs you're like, higher than me for sure. You're like, taking dabs and then hitting squats you know, and shit. Right people, fall no, out. I, but the thing I'm is, the I, know so many, I know so many people that are rough, uh, like hitting their puff coat in the parking lot in secret. And like, as Adam's able to walk in there all proud, like... <laughs> I've definitely smoked some joints before the gym, but uh, it's definitely, I don't think it's the same. It's not the same focus. Yeah, yeah. I like using a different experience. Yeah. I'm sure it's, you know, if you got a light day, you know, it's all good. Bro, Arms the, or something. The LA Marathon. That shit's While wild. smoking blunts. I'd be huffing and puffing, man. That's, shout out to him. He had to train his lungs up for that. Oh, hell yeah. That's like elite stuff. <laughs> He's oh. ready for like the Smokers Olympics. It makes all those people that ran the 420 games like, 5k in la like <laughs> a bunch of years ago like sorry guys that looked cool it was it was really cool that was actually uh one of my first articles for la weekly i believe it was on the 420 uh was on that i think what was uh what'd you write the article about oh uh, the 420 games when they did it uh well, it was like so explain uh, the 420 game back in the day they had this thing that was like uh the dude that did like the first weed tech summit he was partners with like my old one of my old senseis uh and his uh, thing besides the weed tech summit uh was the 420 games which is like you know weed is cool like uh, basically laser basically we're not lazy stoners event we're gonna run a 5k um for profit uh and uh yeah so it was good it was big for a couple of years kind of fell off a little bit but they did a couple different events yeah. right it was like it wasn't just running it was like what biking and then sw was it swimming or no it was biking it varied they did because they did them in different places okay. it wasn't just here they did one in san francisco they did one here and i think it, it varied from place to place and like there was like stationary challenges and shit mm -hmm. like that too it wasn't just like the runs uh, but it was yeah it was just a, a general we're gonna get super high and prove we're not lazy but adam took it to like we're gonna get super high and prove we still deserve to go to mars <laughs> <laughs> That's a, yeah, that would be intense. Mm -hmm. Big shout outs to him. Well, you know, flipping it back to smoking on every comment. Where, yeah, where is Jimmy Devine? Where does he come from, man? Where yeah. does he grow uh, up? What, I grew is, up what is his life like? North Shore of Boston. The Jimmy we know. I knew I heard that accent. Yeah, I grew up on the North Shore of Boston in Lynn. Um, my gram, granny Annie straight off the boat from Bally Keneally uh, in Ireland. Um, I'm a Devine, but I was like mostly raised by uh, Sullivan's and Conley's. And uh, it was super fun. So it was like the hyper trifecta of Irishness. Just like my dad's mom was French. So I'm like 75% uh, Irish and uh, the rest of it's French. And then I can, yeah. And um, Boston was dope. Fun place to grow up. Uh, did, uh, you know, raged in high school. Didn't start really puffing until I was in high. I went to Catholic elementary school. Uh, so you were a good was, kid. Yeah, well, it was also, yeah, you know, I didn't, I was not. Uh, I was, you know, <laughs> that was you not, were acting not, up. No, I was just like, I wasn't in your tradition. I was just like a talk back type, like smart. I was more of a smart aleck than a shithead, you know, like, which is like in its own, which is its own fucking headache, you know what I mean? Uh, but eventually, um, you know, raging in Boston, uh, get to high school. I start puffing like my freshman year. Uh, basically, I was hanging out with kids that, so I didn't figure this question was coming. You see, I've watched enough of these. Uh, so the first time, the first time I smoked marijuana, Cody. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Damn, he just clowned us. Uh, like no, crazy. no, I love it. I love it. No, I love it. I was, just, I was ready. Um, first time I smoked weed uh, was with some homies that were like, and one of the homegirls was in like a better math class than me. So I was like, oh, well, this is definitely not the case of like the dumb kids smoke weed. This girl does some better math class than me. And uh, it, was, it was off to the races after that. So yeah, here we are. <laughs> Damn. What would you do though? You like. We just I, uh, one hater joint. It was a spoon. A spoon? Yeah, just a spoon bowl, like a little. Oh little yeah, glass yeah, yeah. Wow. I was for a second. I'm like, how? Did and her you dad smoked fire. Her, her, like, her dad smoked fire too. So it was good, like uh, compared to like 95 percent of the weed that. I smoked in high school. Um, that like particular bowl that I like smoked my first weed was probably like better than most of it too. So when I came in, I came in with a nice little zip, like. It was like chasing. It was like kind of like chasing that again, you know. <laughs> Once you go from like some nice, because basically anywhere, um, the adults take most of the good. Once you get the further you get from, uh, you know, your Oklahomas and your Maines and your Californias, the adults get all the good wheat. So and then whatever's left trickles down to the youth. So I was like, so on this first on this first rotation of my life, I'm like, oh, is it gonna be like this every time? This is pretty good. This is this is exceptional. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, then then you see the brickweed because that wasn't no brickweed. That was fine. I don't know. I I couldn't. You know, it was my first rotation. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't no brickweed. And so it was funny to like smoke brickweed after that, uh, and then chase like the good stuff again. And then at that time in Boston, it was basically in my age bracket, it was either brickweed or wet dro. Because people would just chop the drill and it wouldn't be dry. It wouldn't definitely wouldn't be dry enough to sell, but they just bag it up anyway because they want to get out their house because they're terrified. <laughs> <laughs> That's some early shit right there. Some no. of the best batches I ever got back in the day were still like three days needed more on the vine and another couple days in a curing tub. And so junior yeah. year of high school, 04-ish, 05, I would say that was when I first started to see real beasters coming down from kids and but you know we're pretty close to canada it's not that far we're only there's only a state between us um so i would say that right at the end of high school i started to see the beasters and then for spring break my senior year of high school we went up to montreal montreal was one of the first places in canada with dispensaries uh but there was a gen the weed scene generally was dope uh so i got one up there got some fire at that point that weed i smoked in montreal was like the most fire weed i'd ever seen in my life uh graduate join go 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 to school in new hampshire uh franklin pierce university uh major in journalism off the rip one of the reasons i went there was because like i knew the uh, presidential primary was going to happen and shit like that so there'd be a lot of um opportunities for young men like myself to cover cool shit <laughs> and it was dope yo so if you guys didn't know already everybody's switching to trip Turfs are a really big deal in today's market, but most importantly, so is the flavor. So everybody's switching to drip and feeding their flavor. And if you want to switch to drip, reach out to us. Family at firstsmokeoftheday.com. Let us know. I want to switch to drip hydro. We're dripped out. We're right here, our favorite place to go. You know, where the pros go to grow at Grow Generation. Over 60 stores nationwide, either in-store or online. Use our code. First Smoke 10. Family, get online if you're shopping for grow goods. First Smoke 10 or in-store anywhere in the U.S. Tell them the First Smoke family sent you. We'll see you there. Yo, we got a gift from Dr. Dabba. Excess. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can. Gift. 
you want to get into journalism uh i just really i just i don't know i just loved the news at the time and it wasn't even i wasn't i don't know it was weird i was uh i watched a lot of news but i didn't even read the newspaper that much but i did i went straight like i had the opportunity to go uh to focus in broadcast or focus in print and right off the rip like before while i was still in high school you know it was like i was picked i picked this in like may of like my senior year i was like i knew exactly what i wanted to do this is the vision. I know it's going to all this weed stuff is going to work out, but I knew I wanted to generally like do something in the storytelling. Uh, and so, you know, I get to college my first week, like, you know, get to college first week. Uh, they start, you know, they try and recruit people for clubs and shit. Let people know, Oh, this is, you can do this, you can do that and all that. And I'm like, I'm kind of like walking around like <laughs> <laughs> this guy got got. Shout out, no, to the pike. Shout out to the pike, man. Yeah, so they I would have never bigs. learned how to grow weed. <laughs> so first week, of the first week of college, they have, uh, you know, everyone's rah, 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 trying to get people. I see. So I, I, nothing really fits the bill for Jimmy D in that moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you see friends, someone like Lance out there, friends. he's getting recruited all no, day. They were to, it's a matter who gets to him first. They'd yeah, like, had the pottery class out there. They'd had everybody out there. <laughs> Only like two, like I probably had like, Eight, eight, probably like eight dudes in my like inner inner circle in high school, and like two only two of us went to college. Mm -hmm. We went we went together, so that was like my room. That was my roommate my first year, and he kind of went and did his thing. And then I found uh, I found out you could basically uh, you know help kids get their financial aid back that got drug convictions through students for sensible drug policy. I saw that was a club, so I see that I'm like oh that's more up my alley. And pretty soon I realized like it's all pretty interconnected with like the cannabis legalization movement um students for sensible drug policy normal mm -hmm. drug policy alliance marijuana policy project those were uh the big names back then americans for safe access of course um so i realized so i, I get heavily involved with sstp pretty much as fast as possible uh go to my first conference like fresh fall of my freshman year um excuse me uh, spring of my freshman year uh and then it's just off to the races uh, a couple of years later, uh, I'm on the board of directors, um, and yeah, we ended up. I ended up on the board of directors for SSDP from 2008 to 2010. Uh, we were able to get that law that um, locked people's financial aid scared scaled back a little bit in that time. And then also, uh, I'm sure you guys are familiar with Forefront. Chris, so Chris Crane that founded Forefront. Those those most of the time that I was on the board of SSDP, he was the executive director because he, he had been the associate director of normal for mad years too, but had like helped found SSDP back in the day at American University in like 1998. So he, at that time, uh, he was on, he was our executive director at SSDP and he actually got us uh, into the UN. So he got us recognized as like a, an official UN uh, non-government organization. So in all those, uh, in all these, UN drug hearings and stuff in the years since we've been able to like participate in like a, at a very, very cool advanced level. Yeah. So I, you know, I, um, did that kind of, Oh, that overlapped my arrival in California, obviously. So when I was like trying to get out to California, I was on the board of SSDP at the time, dispensary owners that existed at the time back then. A lot of them were affiliated with these activist organizations because they, they wanted them to show up if they went to jail. Like, so like the eight, your ACEs and your normals and 
your SSDPs got a lot of support. Because if you caught a case, you that's who's that's who's filling the courtroom. You have X amount of homies. A bunch of homies aren't going to show up to court to support you. They're trapping their faces off. They're not going to be sitting in the crowd for you. It's going to be the ASA. It's going to be the normal sitting in the crowd, you know, shaking their head when the charges are getting read. Like, you know, so it's like back then, like the industry was way more intertwined with activism. So I was, um, after, so after spending four years in New Hampshire on the activism side, I was able to transition over to the California industry in about six months after graduation. So it was sick. Uh, I was, you know, I was 23 years old. Um, you know, just climbed, you know, did the dispensary thing was like, you know, started at the bottom, uh, became, ended up being the floor lead in a few months. Uh, and then we got great, our, our farm in Laytonville that was like deeply interconnected with the dispensary and our resources uh got raided in like i think it was like may 8th or may 5th 2010 uh like six or seven people got taken into custody dss like drove a baby to like reno or something like that garbage so the family had to go pick it up like just total garbage you know you know tactics of the day that's what we'll call them um and so yeah so i'm like a 23 year old i was actually the manager at the moment and it's all happening so like sitting in the back with the keys and i'm just like and i just like came out here with the plan like i was when i got to california i wasn't sure what the plan was i was like i know i got a game up no matter what weed's gonna be legalized everywhere uh, i've been i've had like an internal view on this from the policy side now since basically since 2006 the first time i got to do something like super hardcore was uh the marijuana policy great workshop in 2006 and that was a it's the great stood for grants resources education and training i think or or advocacy and training or something like that and i was a i was the youngest person there so it's like i i kind of started to get to see like these these are the dudes that are going to do it you know it's like sensible colorado like mason divert and all those dudes back in the day before they turned into like prop whatever and all that or uh legal what i you know whatever the official colorado campaign was called god bless ourselves uh but yeah so it was fun to just like always have a view on this and like believe that it would be in this moment and don't get me wrong i thought it'd be a little you know smoother and i i come i and i always came from this uh from like a get get people out of cages perspective mm -hmm. uh and everything else is a bonus like this even though this market sucks right now um i think it's a bonus to the fourteen thousand californians that don't go to jail uh every year anymore since prop 64 uh so i'm don't get me wrong i'm the first guy in line and say we gotta fix this too like and i'm not trying I, and I, I keep i tend to keep my coverage uh on the, i only have so much space and i try and keep it positive i try and create value for people um but i try and keep it real too you know like I, we got you know i got a thing coming out on stuff uh that happened in mendo's this week just by chance you know and uh, i just try and like hit on everything and, and and when we do when i do talk about the fire even like the debt report and stuff like that last year uh, we're talking about like the issues too. We're not just talking about the debt price. We're talking about how to get here. Like, why, why do you think it's like that? You know what I mean? And just like do the best I can with it. When you move from the East coast to the West coast, are you, all, have you already been starting to write or yeah, write? Yeah. I'd already been published in like, uh, an advocacy stuff, like nothing. I hadn't been paid to like write for a publication yet, but I've been like, uh, published in like the Hill in DC, uh, the Boston globe, the Chronicle of education. And basically all that stuff was like, in some way, shape, or form, was like, hey, it's messed up to take kids' financial aid away over drug convictions. It's like, that's the only 
that's the only thing that's stopping them from like getting financial aid is a drug conviction from being able to creating from being able to create x amount of value for themselves in the community for the rest of their lives is this drug conviction that's that's stupid you know and that, that was basically the ethos of all those letters in different ways like one of them was like um scott brown who ended up becoming uh senator from massachusetts for a bunch of years before he became senator in like 2009 he wanted to like or excuse me in two, yeah uh yeah 2009 so he uh wanted to recriminalize the possession of marijuana in uh a car so like if you got caught with the weed in your car it was a crime again and so i wrote a, and i had to write it was funny because i had to teach this like advocacy workshop like at like there was like a students for sensible drug policy conference like this weekend coming up uh the weekend coming up and I was like, man, like, I just so happened. I was like, write something, see if I can get it in, get it in. Uh, and I, so I write this thing to the Boston Globe and it ends up in the Boston Globe. And uh, uh, so that weekend at the, show, at the advocacy thing, and this is like, it's funny because my, my uh, class preceded uh, like one of the first ever like rec organized, like recording the police cl classes. Because this is right when iPhones drop. So this, like, this, is this is like spring 2009. This is some of the first times everyone's got a camera, you know, the techie, this is the first of everyone having a camera in their pocket. So like, my, it was like, first it was me talking about, uh, you know, how to get people to, you know, write, how to write letters to the editor and stuff like that. And I end up having the letter to the editor to point to that week. Like, hey guys, it's this easy. And then like, so the class, the, the, the panel after that is this dude, Justin Holmes from New Paltz, New York, which is a crazy, like revolutionary hippie community um and he teaches a class on like filming the police and which is at the time like is this like I would pull your phone out and film the police is this like really really new school thing and so we have a party that night and the cops roll on the party <laughs> And so everyone busts out their phones, and you can tell the cops were like, "Whoa, <laughs> what is this? What is this new tactic?" <laughs> oh, so it was fun, like while doing like the advocacy thing, and like a yes, it like doing the advocacy thing and doing like marijuana advocacy like gives you access to better weed, and that's cool too. But getting to take part in those kind of moments, like those little steps along the way and just like see it for yourself is so fun it's that's it was so oh i'm like so happy just talking about you know what i mean it's just like the, 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 it's just a rager the whole time <laughs> that's one of your top passions <clears throat> advocacy uh, i think it was now it's like i i would say it was the, that that got me here but now it's like the thing that drove the passion and that advocacy sense is like you know the, the thermometer it's like a fireworks meter like, you know, like how they have the bar in town and they're trying to get the money for the fireworks and it fills up. It's like my, like my fireworks bar is like pretty high already. You know what I mean? So it's hard for the fireworks bar to drive the passion. So now it's more of the passion is uh, about seeing the execution of the fireworks bar done well. You know what I mean? Because I'm there. I'm so happy. Like I said, like, you know, just seeing people get out. Uh, getting to hang out like i was one of the first people that got to interview luke scarmazzo and like i was one of them you know just get to see these people that have uh done so much time for the plant and like getting back into it trying to you know tiptoe their way into the game in such a manner that uh they can you know not not up and end up in a cage which is like you know they don't really have to worry about that anymore but you know take care of their families uh it's been it's been fascinating yeah a lot of the guys <clears throat> on our bookshelf right here if people if they watch the podcast you know on fsotd.com or you know you see a little more behind the scenes but all these guys a lot of them 
or I would say people, right? Because there's families involved in a lot of this as well. People forget about that. But uh, a lot of these guys have done, you know, hundreds of years between a lot of these books. Uh, and then some of them didn't do any time. It's very interesting, you know. But yeah, uh, shout out to the OGs. Yeah, some of the guys that. Just anybody know. that ever paved the way. Exactly. That, yeah. uh, you know, paid debts, hard debts like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was lucked out to uh, just get to. Uh, experience that tail end of uh you know you know 215 from like 2010 to two, 2015 was a, a fun time to learn about cannabis uh, and one and you know one of the dudes that gained me up the most like so after the raid uh in may you know business you know business partners stuff all that with the bosses all that uh so one of the bosses brings in like a homie that's just like a monster whale monster whale just to help keep things afloat uh and so that's who games me up that's like all right jimmy you're gonna start by I'm, i can't be here all the time jimmy so this is what, this is what i'm looking for okay this is then this is what we don't want uh so this is so this dude like just games me up on like bulk purchasing uh and so by like a couple months later i'm the main buyer uh and it's so and it's like it's a funny because it's like it was fun to have that experience but it was also like as so it's a dispensary that like can't pay its bills you know, because we're coming out the raid. So, like, I got people call. I got people calling me every time and, uh, you know, all times of the day trying to get their money. You know, eventually, a bunch of those people, like, settled with these dudes who came on later. But at that time, that hadn't happened yet. So, everyone's like, I'm the, I'm, it's me and the boss on the, on the, on the hot kettle. You know what I mean? Or on the, on the coals, excuse me. Um, and so, it was funny. I had, so, I had a few, like, people that, like, uh, were, like, super cool. I'm like, man, this sucks. I'm like, great suck. I was like, Yeah uh so one of these dudes was a dude who um this dude matt who grew like some of the best uh bruce banner ever in the bay area probably the best blue dream that was ever in the bay area which is saying a lot like i say that i say that with a bit of confidence in my voice probably the best blue dream that was ever in the bay area yo first smoke family if you want to know where to get all the most exclusive stuff done for your brand at smoothtrades.com use the code fsotd and they're gonna take care of you fast turnarounds low minimums and they know what they're doing high quality products where we get all our stuff done for the podcast at grinders trays rolling cradles all types of the new things that are dropping go check them out tell them the family sent you they're gonna take care of you appreciate it but the thing that was probably like the craziest was uh this pine tar kush which was just like slightly hybridized like pakistani kush that was like super fire uh so matt understood the struggle so matt would literally like bring me like a couple ounces at a time to pay, just like so i have something on the board because no one wanted to fuck with us because we got raided we're broke it was, it was 2010 like you stay fun when that happened then you're like you're like, <laughs> like <laughs> so like matt would like drop off a couple ounces at a time like you poor bastard here you go like <laughs> and i would try and chip and i already owed him money so i'd like buy the two ounces and i'd be like all right and here's like 60 dollars on that other 3k thing <laughs> like and we did that for a while, but, but uh, on the side, uh, I would try and like help and like, Hey, so-and-so needs packs. Like I know a guy like, and so I try and like those people that I, I like accidentally did those handshakes with well-intentioned handshakes. I didn't know this was going to happen. You know, uh, I just tried to do my best to like be helpful until like they were paid back. And so a bunch of those people, when, uh, when like the journalism doors eventually started opening for me in like 2014 ish, 2015 ish. Uh, a bunch of those people were like, oh, Jimmy's cool. Jimmy, like, kind of there to vet for me as needed because they, like, remembered getting paid back and stuff like that. You're a good man. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. You're it was like, man. not everyone, you know, I, honestly, I was it's like. It's funny thinking about you in that situation as a buyer for a dispensary, knowing, 
your character and your heart <laughs> and like they, they're like yeah 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 bring it on and then you end up owing all these things, the raid all that sh- like that's dude rough. it's a tough spot it was that's crazy tough. it was uh character building that's for sure though like you know it was crazy because we you know paying everyone cash at the end of the night because we didn't know what the next day held you know pay out you pay out the staff and then you pay yourself at the end you hope there's enough money at the end that you don't have to wait till the next morning because you don't even know for the next morning so you hope that your payroll is there at the end so you don't have to pull it out the first drop because you're not even sure if there's going to be a first drop so you just try and get like you know try and get everybody else paid real quick and uh you know cross your fingers for the next day <laughs> It's a terrible way to live. Mm-hmm. It was wild, though. You know, I got, I got a lot out of it, though. What I wouldn't change. I wouldn't want a butterfly effect anything. You know what I mean? Like, it's like I went to college in the woods, and it's like, I'm like, man, what would life have been like if I was in the city and like had access to more opportunity and stuff? It's like, oh, well, I wouldn't be doing this, so it doesn't matter. So fuck that noise, you know? What were you saying? My bad. No, um, what the dispensary? What area was this in? It's Berkeley. It's the same so, one I'm at right now. So you came to Berkeley. Uh, yeah, I came uh, straight right to Berkeley. away, straight to Berkeley. Yeah, I, well, I met my boss at a conference in Albuquerque because I was still on the board of the SSDP. So I went out to like the Drug Policy Alliance's Albuquerque conference because like back then in like 2008, um, New Mexico was like one of the models for like not just weed stuff, which it had at that point had medical marijuana, but had really progressive progressive uh, drug policy reforms in general as opposed to uh, you know rehabilitation instead of cages. Uh, so like DPA had their thing there to like kind of highlight, you know, you know, uh, rehabilitation instead of incarceration. Uh, so, uh, and I went out to that and that was like you know, a bunch of weird stuff too, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I, so I went out for that, meet her there. I was actually, it was funny because I was at the BPG party. So I went to some, I'm, the dude that was working. What's I was the BPG? Berkeley Patients Group. So Berkeley Patients Group, one of the oldest dispensaries in America. Shout outs. Um, one of the old assistant managers of Berkeley Patients Group was from Albuquerque and he was in town, but he was like stuck at the conference the whole time. He's like, yo, and I was like, you know, the 23 year old bright eyed Jimmy. And he's like, yo, Jimmy, I can't go get my favorite tacos. But if you go get me these tacos, his name was uh, Dan Huberman. Uh, he's back in New Mexico now. Um, he was like, yo, you go get me these tacos. I'll get you in the party tonight. And I was like, all right, done, done. So I go get the tacos. I bring them to the party. Give the guys a resume. They're like, oh, thanks. Yeah, cool. And so I was like, all right, maybe I got a shot at getting a job at PPG. Andre shows up. Um, my homie introduces me to her. And she's like, oh, I'm opening. I'm reopening. Because uh, essentially CBCB got grandfathered in because it was like it was in the back of an anarchist bookstore. For like What's CBCB? Canvas Buyers Club of Berkeley. That's where I work now. So CBCB was in the back of like an anarchist bookstore from, two, uh, from like 1997 to like, or excuse me, 1996 to like 2008. And then uh, got the, it was an aquarium building up the street, got the aquarium building and spent a year, like still had like a compassion program. So it was still technically like a collective entity during that time, but um, reopened uh, December 19th, 2009. I moved, I moved out December 2nd, spent the next couple of weeks like painting up the building and all that jazz. And this was, and I had only met my boss like mid, uh, mid November. So I basically met her. She said, oh, you want a job? Come on out. And I told the BPG guys, they looked at me, laughed ripped up my resume as a joke and threw it in the trash like ah fuck you jimmy you know like but it was all fun it was all good games uh fun it was all fun spirited uh and then got out to um berkeley started raging uh and yeah and then you know like i said a few months later shit got weird uh (laughs) but we had a good time uh made it through it it was uh she you know made some deals to like keep the vote afloat and we did we did eventually we got up to uh, doing like, I think it was like 2015 or 16, maybe. We did like 22, 24 million or something like that. 
So that's a pretty good big retail entity. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, my ass, they're like, hey. <laughs> it was cool because I got some one of the cool things was since I went through all the bullshit. Um after she made the deal, she was like kind of told like the dude she made the deal with, like, yeah, Jimmy, yeah, you know, you're not, you're not going to be able to get rid of Jimmy. So that's amazing. So I was like, kind of just like, all right, I'm just going to like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not a hater, but I definitely have like taken advantage of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like kind of helped uh, in all the travel and stuff that I've done and like, just like being with the team for so long and going through the, all that back in the day kind of like gives me a little bit more room to like be able to leave on a whim to go to asia or europe africa in search of the heat like, i'll be back next week guys I'm like all right like they don't even put sometimes they don't even just put me on the schedule anymore i'm like guys i'm home it's like yeah just just show up jim like <laughs> what are some of the things you learn working in a spot like that with that many patients what people buy right because i think of like a lot of the uh, the club heavy top shelf smoker above average smoker doesn't know what like the general market's buying you know what i'm saying so it's fun What's the demographic for the shop? You would say like we have every, we have oh, everything we have because we, we're medical we're duly licensed so mm -hmm. so eighteen to fucking ninety nine like uh, literally um, probably probably yeah we probably no we definitely have some centurions um, but generally speaking uh, yeah eighteen to over a hundred what, what would you say is the average age I would say these days oh, that's a great question I would say I would imagine most of our clientele falls between the age of like 20 and 55 with a big big bracket mm -hmm. yeah they're in a crazy part i mean that part i'd say of real senior sit real senior sitting like 50 so like so let's say like that 55 to senior citizen is another 10 so like say so that's like 70 percent of it and then real senior citizens are probably 20% of it. And then that age group before you know you're old, but you're not a real senior citizen yet from like 55 to 65, that's probably like 10. So, so you, like you get a lot of like, you know, older people in their forties and fifties. Oh yeah. Like I like Very back cool. in the, like when the San Francisco Chronicle launched green state in 2017, I helped mm -hmm. David Downs with it. And like, that was one of the, like, one of the things was like targeting senior citizens and stuff like that. So that's like, that's par for the course for me. Like we like we've been dealing with the aches and pains of, uh, you know, the greatest generation for a long time. <laughs> That's awesome. Or the boomers. Wait, so what are they? What are they buying though? Uh, you know, sweet relief. They love it. Uh, affordable flowers like that are fire that they can you know that they they still can understand it's heat like preferred gardens. You know what I mean? Like best thirty five dollar rate in California probably. Stuff like that. Shout just like my dog, Dave. Hell yeah. I love him. I love him. What a guy. And his spaceship. I swear to God, that's what you like. His greenhouses are what Elon Musk is going to grow tomatoes on Mars in. They are. I told Dave we got to get him out to Thailand. I'm trying to get oh, him. Dude, I'm, I'm trying to get him to San Francisco. So like, go to like. <laughs> I, keep I keep telling him, like, that's the next move. Like, All that money they're investing in infrastructure in Thailand as far as dispensaries. Dave would be the man out there. Dave would be the man out there. The you royal get, family would swoop him up oh, quick. Oh, man. Well, it's <laughs> funny. I, one of the first people we met in Thailand was, like, the, the queen's old, like, hemp business partner. But when she started messing with THC stuff, like they loved, like, it was all love. She's like, oh, I can't mess with this anymore. She's like, you go, girl. Like, you know, like, it was like, and like, it was cool to meet her. I was like, so it was like, I was kind of there, like, because I'm in, you know, dressed in like some ridiculous outfit. And they're like, oh, the queen's business part. I'm like, damn it, what am, I, what am I getting myself into this week? Like, it was just really, just the whole thing was super funny. And uh, just, you know, then that was the first wave of booth we saw. Cause it was like uh, this like business, like, you know, a hemp business conference in Asia, but there was some regular weed too. 
and that was our first like glance like besides the stuff they brought us at the airport which was like a little bit was a bit better than the stuff they had at the conference it was like one of the more heady families uh in bangkok just from their dispensary it wasn't as good as like the the, the medicana stuff by any means i, I mentioned think that's the best out there medicana that i've seen so i want someone to show me different i welcome someone to show me different but for like commercially available like to to a retail consumer yeah grown there yeah grown there grown there that says a lot yeah easy you know to, that it's grown there and that's that's the time <laughs> it's there. this dude jesse from california that grows it there he grows it in 10 gallon he grows it in 10 gallon pots i thought i was walking into the mom room i was like what is what is this like it's like it's a jungle and it's crazy because i figure you figure it's going to be too humid and you can have these rotting ass buds but I, the hvac system and the hvacs are so crazy in thailand because it's so hot like that it's just so it's all indoor fire. yeah all yeah. indoor this nice. is crazy indoor led uh that you think wouldn't work you don't and you look at it you're like how does it work and then you see the final product you're like what am, what am i talking about i guess i just don't i don't know you know what i mean it's like one of those things usually because most of the time i get you know i get to go to a decent number of girls yeah. so you can kind of like you see the things the killers do the same you see the things they do to their taste but there's a bunch of shit the killers do the same you know right and then there's some other there's some finite like tweaks and twats like like to just switch it up a little bit but generally a lot of people are on like a, a course heading in the same direction that direction is heat it's just like different trails in the water to get there um and so you go in so when you go into these places this looks nothing like this like this doesn't even look like you got these dudes have a boat like it was like this is weird like you know what i mean it's just like then you see the fire it's like wow i guess this is a whole there's a whole new way to get to the heat like when i so when i see like this sweat box that i'm convinced is just going to be way too humid to grow fire and i see these 10 gallon pots and i'm like am i on a hidden camera show and like like i don't want to be a hater but it's like wow i just you know you know i just like play the straight face i was like oh, i don't usually see like i don't usually see people doing production in 10 gallons wow like it's just fun it's like and then you see the, then the fire's there it's just wow wow it's crazy it's crazy surprises right yeah we always say but it, it was really good after you had a bunch of really bad it was sacred <laughs> you finally it get was something you're like sacred oh. dog it was yeah i can taste it because like, we hadn't smoked fire all week oh man it's been like five and like at least like four or five days since we smoked real fire like we smoked some okay pot that like 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 you know helped your fix per se uh but there was no like heat heat so when we walk in it's like the the owner's like playing the piano when we walk in it looks like a, it's like it's like a jazz club in the back with like it, lo it looks like a floral shop it looks like a flower shop it's like half greenhouse it's like a greenhouse in the front hybrid greenhouse in the front with like the, the counter in the back uh we walk in we look at the fire and then we, we look at all this fire we turn around it's like this red curtain opens up and it's like just like a jazz bar in the back with like the owner like playing piano like waving at us like it was just it was so ridiculous there's like a video of us like handing the blunt while he's playing the piano it was just oh because I mean, so we hadn't seen i mean since we hadn't seen fire in so long we're all just like crying like hugging each other like oh my god we found it we found it because <laughs> a little bit easier when, when, is that, when does that come out it's out now documentary yeah, the now. how do people on, find that it's on a high rise tv's youtube High Rise TV's YouTube. Yeah. What's it? What's the name or what do uh, they search? Bangkok Tour or something like that. Bangkok I forget tour. off the top of my head. But yeah, high, if you go on there, yeah, shout out to the High Rise boys. Too. Yeah, they do a, a very high level of production, and I really appreciate it. It's not their fault I wasn't skinny in it. <laughs> man, you sound like black people now, man. Nah, man. So like, we got to take that one down, man. No, nah. <laughs> I'm always the guy. I'm always the guy in the in the thumbnails that's like in mid like 
wow or like laughing or that like i'm the guy that they they're like let's make him make a crazy face and we'll put his ass well, what like I didn't drink. everyone I, else is like i didn't drink for the whole pandemic because i like i don't like drink by myself at home i'm like a social drinker i go to the bar so the bar was closed and i didn't i, didn't, I never identified as like sober i identified as someone waiting for the bar to open <laughs> and yeah. uh so but in the process of like waiting for the bar to open for like 14 months and whatever it was because i wanted my bar to open i didn't want to go to other bars i was like waiting for my bar and they took it extra strict uh i lost so much weight like between that and the coke zero and then um <laughs> I gained, gained a little bit back. So now I'm back to like trying to, I switched to Delos and trying to be like more responsible, blah, blah, blah. Get a little skinnier. Switched to Medellos? Yeah. Yeah. From what? Uh, Lagunitas. Lagunitas. That extra, you know, 20 calories adds up. Man. Couldn't do it's it. It's all the carbonation and shit. Yeah. It's all the carbs. Yeah. I feel about, I feel more responsible when I drink Delos too. Sugars too. Keep my wits about me. And the snake pit that is the cannabis industry. Back when everything was good and packs for 35, it was easy to get shitty on IPA. <laughs> Chad wasn't here yet. <laughs> what do you know about Chad, Jimmy? Oh, man, I was fucking, I saw the first waves. I was like sitting in fucking front row seat at the fucking Ringland Brothers watching them fucking walk into the fucking show. It was crazy. I saw, I'm pretty sure I was exposed to like, because what it was, was we started to see the real money come in early 2010s, right? But that was the first real money everyone knew about. So there was these entities that were created to protect hyper money that got in like before anyone even realized it. Like, so the first, I'm pretty sure the first billionaire I knew of that was involved in cannabis was like, probably like uh, December 2010 uh, with a B, billionaire with a B. Like through through whatever mechanisms he he played the cards, um, so like yeah, I've seen the hyper money here forever. I've host I like was on I was you know the number four guy at the first cannabis technology conference ever. You know what I mean? Like who do you think who do you think showed up for that? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was the vendor relations guy. So like the two dudes that owned the conference hated each other. Hey, each other it was great. So it was me, them, uh, and David Downs was like the programmer. David Downs is like the head of content for Leafly now. Like when they had like the vape crisis a couple of years ago, David was the one on Good Morning America, like explaining it to everybody. Like David's super legit. So me, David, and these dudes uh, put this conference together. And so I spend the whole call, you know, a lot of these people are like first wave, like technology, uh, just people transitioning from other capital driven fields into cannabis so it's been fat and that's like 20 god i forget what year that was but that was new west summit so that was really like first like hyper heavy exposure and then so the pr team that i did that with was like oh you gotta get you gotta get out to mj bizcon like it's like three years old now it's crazy like and i was like oh okay <laughs> that's how you think it's like you think this crazy jimmy you gotta go with that i was like okay and so uh yeah it's been funny just like watching that side of things. And it's fascinating because really there are some people on that side of the fence uh, that, cause I never want to like hate on anyone that just never had the opportunity to work in weed and had to do something else with their life for the, and now they have the opportunity and they want to take advantage of it. Uh, but there's like, a, a, I know there's a style, it's a technique. Uh, <laughs> and I can't, and I'm not the one to paint. I'm not the one to paint the picture of what that technique is, but you can now, you can tell when it's right, you know? Uh, and cause I, I've met, I've met those people that came from corporate America that were, were dirtbags 
I've met those people that came from corporate America. I was like, man, I wish you could have done this sooner. Like, you know, you seem like having a good time. You seem like you're really living, loving life and smoking fire. You know, here you are for the third blunt in a row. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> my stand, my standards are very high. <laughs> but you know, again, uh, seeing the dirt, seeing the dirt bags, seeing the well-intentioned. A lot of the OGs are very cunning too. You got to remember that. A lot of the survivors that are still here that we identify as legacy and still have a, a, a skin in the game, some of them were pretty cunning to get here. Sure, some of them just rode flame all the way. A bunch of them. Yep, sure. You got heat and you just been selling it forever. Congratulations. Not all of them. Like, there was, you know. So it's remember, those, it's not any saint, like uh, saints can come from anywhere, scumbags can come from anywhere. The Hill, corporate America. That's, that's true. And sometimes people don't want to, you know, that's sometimes that's dirty language. And another like dirty word in the game period is commercial viability, right? So sometimes people blame their lack of commercial, like they, these circles, like, you know, there's a bunch of packs from back in the day. This aren't commercially viable now. People don't fucking want it because it's not fire. And it was easy to, so when Billy in Ohio didn't have access to all this crazy stuff from Maine and Oklahoma and California is more, you know, fire depths than ever that he can get confused about and think is indoor uh like that it was easy to sell billy anything but it's, it's a different era now uh so it's just like some of those farms like just like didn't want to change their ways to like grow better pot too that's a piece of it there's a bunch of super nice people that got screwed by shitty regulations and shitty this and shitty that and should have had the the best fair opportunity possible to take part in a legal market where they were protected from mega farms that weren't supposed to exist until this year because permit stacking wasn't supposed to be a thing right uh but once you get past those people there's a bunch of people that didn't grow fire and like you just like yo sorry like so the gate you you not doing your best to grow fire is a big part of it too it's not just prop 64 it's not just the market as a whole like there's a bunch of people surviving in this market why because they grow fire because that's where it starts for them they grow the fire first and they know if they have the heat, they're going to be able to pay the bills. And there's a bunch of people that worry about paying the bills first. And then they're like, oh, why don't I have fire? It's because that wasn't, you didn't start, excellence starts in your mind, fool. And it's just like, this, this is no other way to, this is the easiest way to put it, man. And, you know, you just can't, I don't know. I try and like, I try and be like 5% thankful all the time, right? But if I were a grower and I wanted to stick to that mentality, the other 95% of me would be, I got to grow fire and then let somebody else, like the numbers will work out. If I have fire and it yields right, the numbers will work out. And there's not a lot of people, there's like a bunch of buster ass people that got in the game to get in the game because they thought there was cash to be had. And like just the sheer, even though they grow uh, buster ass weed, there's just so much of it, it still brings the price down. It's just, it's crazy, crazy. Because they curb the low price with they just need more per light. So that's when you get things like PGRs that come in where it's like, well, we need four pounds of light. I've talked my blunt because out Because like we're only getting a thousand a unit. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's true. Oh. It's true. Who's got the heat? Oh, my God. I'm blessed. Like, I get to, I, I, you know, I get to see a lot of fire uh, all, all over here in California, of course. You know, I was like an early believer in fig. You mind if I hit the blunt one time? Oh, please. Get in on that shit. Oh, man. Yeah. Man, you guys, if you're listening to this on audio, you better get on that YouTube yeah. or the FSOTD. You're about to see Pat Gods cranking up on a backwood with Jimmy. On the woods. Jimmy's got this turp box. It. Oh, actually, yeah. it actually tastes pretty good. Yeah, it's fire. This turp right, box is gnarly, Jimmy. That's that Tahoe OG from 3C Farms. Shout out to Waylon and the gang. Wow. 
Local. It might have been. That might have been grown down the street, actually. Straight up. No, I'm not oh, sure if that. Shit. I don't know if that came from there. They said though. I mean, that's yeah, what, what, what? Which backwood is that? That's uh, original. Uh, that's an original. Yeah, that's an original. Man, that's some flavor. So one of the things was that weed's flavor. Fun, right fun backwood story. One of the things I uh, right? when I saw the uh, three C's OG growers. Yeah, for sure. They go way back. Yep. I got hella respect for those dudes. The whole team. Uh, we've known Bro, that shit tastes great. We've known them know. roughly since <laughs> Prop 215 days. Old school. <laughs> Down the rabbit hole we go. <laughs> but um, that's yeah, the I've, Tahoe, yeah? Yeah. I can I, taste I've it. been following. Uh, it's fire, though. Yeah, it's booming. It's a great OG. Yeah. yeah hey, hold on. Spice that blown up nice. Usually I'm not a, a backwards fan, but I could see, you know, why you're smoking a classic flavor like that that's grown. Yeah, I, I, like, mean, to grow, I nice. like to enjoy yeah. my weed for as long as possible. It's well done. Yeah, so fun. That's great. Get to smoke the best weed in the world. Put in the L. Enjoy it a little longer. I got introduced <laughs> to them. Carla, you, Carla, who was like a cool, was cool, someone from Prop Two Fifteen Days, used to represent them hard. She was always like three C, three C. They they've they've been growing fire for a long time. Yeah, I got put onto it years and years ago because they were up when they. I think it was one of the first times they did like a NorCal Cup. I think it might have been the Cow Palace one, or like the first Cow Palace one. And I saw their gear and I was like, oh, no shit. Like, you guys are doing it. Uh, and so I, had, I wasn't writing yet. Like, I was doing ad. I did ad. Like, I got my foot in the door on the media side to ad sales in like 20, like 15, I think, or 14, end of 14. Uh, David Downs was doing a story on THC staffing, which was like the first cannabis, like, staff, real first cannabis, like, staffing agency. And my homie started it. And so, uh, they had that thing going. She, they had placed, they placed some, they placed like one other person before me. And then like, so when she was doing the interview with David, he's like, oh, I'm looking for someone to do like media stuff, blah, 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 blah. She's like, oh, you should just get Jimmy. And so I had never met him at that point, but it was me and him end up linking up. And he's just like, oh, great. Because like, basically I was in the situation in the dispensary. He was trying to sell that for his podcast. I knew what companies could actually afford it because I was the one buying, I was the one buying all the product. Like, so I could see who was like doing numbers and stuff. So I knew who to, who to hit up and be like, Oh, you want to try and do something main, you know, try and do something mainstream, blah, blah, blah. And like people were down. Uh, so that was like the first like five or six months. And then he tells the dude that founded smell the truth with SF gate, which was like the first real mainstream cannabis media company. A lot of people point to the cannabis in Colorado uh but in reality smell the truth was uh at sf gate was the original and so that was uh david and this dude dean arbit and so uh david tells dean like hey this kid's selling a podcast uh so he's like so dean's like get, get his ass over here like so i end up messing with dean for you know a few years that's why i don't end up doing the conference he was one of the guys that on the conference so like that's how i got into that mm -hmm. um and like, you know, after a year of selling ads, they're like, oh, Jimmy, you know how to write too, right? I was like, yeah, I know how to write. Yeah. <laughs> so I do a couple articles. David has a kid. So I get to like write for the whole week. Uh, well, he's on like maternity leave just like the week after he has a baby. I get to do like a bunch of articles. And I end up pivoting that into like the, uh, the Cannabis Now job that I had for like four years. Um, and that was where I did all the crazy. Cannabis Now is where I did all like the first wave of like crazy stories. Like that was where I got Trebinsky. That was where... I, you know, I called Rose in the Emerald Cup a month early and like that shit. And like, that was fun. Cause I used to do like the Harvest Heatless and I was just like, just try and call things in the cup when it was like a different format. You know what I mean? Like it was a harvest. The cup results were in a month, like basically. So I try and like call my picks and like did good a bunch of years. Had the cherry punch in the mix. Uh, the Rose was the best one. And the, fuck, the craziest thing about the Rose was that was 20, so second place 2017. 
it lost to my boss, like the lady whose house I slept in. So she did a, she, it was like her collab with molecular farms. Uh, she was like part, she was like, she used to be with this company and like, there was like part owner of molecular, whatever, whatever. But she was like a big part of it. Like the, the shit that won the Emerald cup in 2017 was in her bags, like her special brand. Like, um, and so basically my boss, like, stop me from calling the emerald cup like the last big year because the, the next year was the legal one so like i had a chance at calling like the last 215 emerald cup essentially and my boss like was the one who like prevented it and that's so funny to me this day <laughs> that's when emerald cup was booming yeah it was a different scene back then yeah it was crazy uh shout outs to the blakes they've always been super supportive i've been lucky enough to be at final judging since like 2018, I've been going up for, she watched Last Flower Judge. I started judging uh, 2019, did BHO for two years. And then this was my, uh, th this was my third year on the Solvent List team this year. So yeah, shout outs to them. Love them. Uh, you know, it's cool to, uh, you know, see the value they create for people. Because, uh, you know, people like, get iffy about competitions and it's a cash grab and it's a popularity contest and all that but it's like in reality those homies that take home those trophies easier for them to feed their kids easier for the kid scrubbing the resis to to pay off his new you know bronco whatever the hell he got like it's just you know it's trickle it's trickle down hype like people don't understand that like they get mad about this hype boy shit they get mad about fucking burner having a bus with cookies on the side like you know what do you fucking think you invested in fool like you invested in cookies. You invested in the hype and you're going to sue Burner because he put cookies on the side of a bus and is driving around America with it filled with his rapid friends. Like, how does that matter the brand? I don't understand. These are the things like, this is the whole thing you bought into. You know what I'm saying? Like shit like that. Like I get hate and I get like, there's busters out there, but there's certain like, you know, just bullshit or hate. Just people looking for something to be mad about sometimes. I'm just like, God. Like sometimes I know, don't get me wrong, sometimes I pour a little gas on it, but hey, you know, <laughs> life's short. <laughs> How did things change for you when you got with Cannabis Now? I had a weekly, I had a, sp uh, a platform every week. Like I started as a writer, just did a couple things. Um, I was doing like four or five a month. And then eventually they were like, hey, you want to be on staff? And uh, it wasn't real staff. Like uh, it was like freelancing stuff. So. It was like, do you want to be like staff writer? So then I was like, you know, a titled editorial person in the cannabis industry. Mm -hmm. So that like opened up doors. And then once I had the, I think the first big print story I did for Cannabis Now, genetics wise, was like God's gift. So I hit up like, I hit up the Scorpion crew. I hit up uh, BC Bud Depot, just talked about the collab and stuff like that. And then I had this like really nice glossy print feature that was like, in airports all over the world. So when I went up to like the Sherbinskis and the Brandons and like those killer killers, like that I it was, it would have been hard to access off the rep. I was like, Hey, but look how cool this magazine is. They'd be like, Oh wow, that is a cool magazine. <laughs> like that kind of, like that was how I got that interview. It was hilarious. I stood there, I showed Brandon the magazine. I stood there with him and Tony, uh, for like 45 minutes, smoked through the whole third gen family lineup. And you know, cause that's what I do. Whenever a grower gives me weed, the first thing I do is roll it up. So they know I care. I don't like, cause I'm not like the freaking home type. I'm not like the high effort months. I was like, let's like, yo, just turn on the gym incinerator immediately. Can we smoke this right here? Like, do we, is this, is this considered on site? Like, <laughs> oh man, it's great though. And so as you're writing these articles, like, what are you learning? 
Because, I mean, that's a graduated effect going from where you were and now being full time on staff. It was cool. I think by the time I got to write professionally on like a weekly basis, like X amount of time, uh, I'd spent so much time on the policy side. I spent so much time on the uh, industry side that it was like new. Everything I was looking at was new. I wasn't learning as much as I was getting new as new angles came up on things as this game developed. And like there was new ideas. Like I got to see the new ideas and I could relate those ideas to like what I gamed up on, like as they came out, because I've spent like so many hours in a dispensary. I was, you know, thousands and thousands of hours in at the dispensary by the time I got to like write about weed and get paid for it. So it was just between that and, you know, that just made it easier, you know? And like, so it was fun to, and it was fun to be able to speak from that place, like of like, knowing what the fuck i was talking about it wasn't just a press release to me it was like i could think i could understand in my head like it was like the spider web. where does this fit in the spider web how does it interconnect with shit you know what i'm saying yeah when you're working at a dispensary you're basically on the front lines i was like if you're if you're if you're in the streets you're probably only seeing certain types of people when you're a dispensary you see everybody so it's different yeah it's wild it's wild it's fun as fuck though uh I wouldn't change a thing. I probably could have quit a few years ago. I just like focused on trying to write more or whatever. What's been your favorite article that you've done? Oh, that's tough. But the ones that probably most impact, uh, probably like the Josh D one was like a big cover for me for LA Weekly because LA Weekly doesn't do a lot of like single story cannabis covers. Mm-hmm. They've only done like two. I've been, you know, so I've been on staff there for over three years now. I started with them two years before that. And then there was like, uh, what was it? Prop, uh, there was something. Remember like Prop 5, the one that like blocked the freelancers and Ubers and stuff back in like 2020. Everyone's freaking out about that. So the owner of LA Weekly was like, Jimmy, what are you going to do about this, uh, this Prop 5 stuff? I was like, I don't know, cry. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't really have a plan. Uh, I'm just going to kind of keep chugging along until I hit a wall. So oh, well, we'll give you a job. So it was dope. So I ended up getting the job at LA Weekly, you know, three months before the pandemic. Uh, and it was sick. So I had that. So when the pandemic hits, like, uh, I'm declared, uh, essential at dispensary. So I don't miss a day at work at dispensary. And then I'm writing in the afternoon for LA weekly. So basically my whole pandemic was like status quo for me. I was just, I was just doing the same thing. The only difference was the first few months, like we were bringing weed outside to people. And then it was after that, it was just like back to standard, you know, looking at flowers every day. Telling the chief what I think the fire is. Smoking my me and my boss share an office. It's hilarious. Uh, we smoke my I smoke my blunts in there, and she comes and opens the doors and like all the windows. But she like, doesn't yell at me. She just pretends she doesn't. <laughs> Sometimes she'll come and be like, "Wow, those are thick today." Like, yeah, but she never like hates hates on it. It's hilarious. <laughs> she throws and she'll like sounds look, like Pat God's dream job. She puts like super exotic <laughs> hash like on top of a bong load, and I'm just like sitting there like oh. Oh. <laughs> you know i was like there's a lot of people to be offended by that chief <laughs> oh. what's in this box right here i mean what you got a bunch of flavors out bunch of heaters yeah. sure banger by pasta farm <laughs> pasta farm did awesome at the trans bay challenge san francisco qualifier that was one of the two things that qualified from sf um that the new own the new sure oni banger, uh t- samples are in there there's so much going on. I know. That's why yeah. I wanted to pull them out. I mean, yeah. you got an array of flavors in here from all over. Yeah, the mountain, the WAP is crazy. This is a crazy smell. This punch extracts, Rambutan V2, Redwood Valley. This is crazy. 
Like, sure bangers. That's real crazy. Very different. So what's been some of your favorite things to smoke on lately? Uh that 29, that blue dot right there. I uh was my second favorite thing at the Emerald Cup. I think it was like a champagne or something. I thought it was. I, I didn't I uh that didn't end up doing as well with some of the other judges, but um <laughs> I still love it. Uh the mountain man that WAP is super serious. That was why I brought it. Um this number R29. I have a jar of like a new Zephino at home that Tony, I saw Tony at Hall of Flowers, uh, Tony Mendo. It's like, Jimmy Devine, I brought this jar out. And I was like, man, if I see Jimmy Devine tonight, I'm going to give him this jar of rosin. And I was like, and, he was, and then he hands me this fat jar of rosin. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what a lovely story, Tony. So he's got this, like, this fat jar. I have like a, I go, you know how the alchemy jars come with the inserts? Uh, so I stuffed like this insert for my alchemy jar is like just stuffed with this rosin to the top and I'm like trying to get, get it down so it doesn't touch. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just some fire. Um, oh, you smell great, man. Cryo, Cryo Labs is fire. The, Shout out Frosty, yep. Talimon. Uh, a super underrated rosin, Cali X. Uh, doesn't get enough play, doesn't get enough love for their solventless efforts. I think the flowers. Shout out to the, Cali X. Yeah, man, the flower steals a lot of the show, but the, the hash is really good. Punch um, Extracts does a great job too. I, I've had some of their live rosins. I like. Yeah, they they're do. really fair about the way they grade it and mm -hmm. try to make it affordable. Like, what's dice is dice, what's dot is dot. And should I just have it there for everyone? I can appreciate that for sure. Royal Key up in Arcata, Monster Rosin. Yeah, they're fucking yeah. amazing. Yep, they they've been solid for eight years. years. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, remember when they, they did the first. I remember when they did the first like run of BHO in 2017. Uh, they did like 19 flavors, you know what I mean? It was like everyone was trying to collect them all. Like everyone, that's what everyone was smoking at Chalice, like you know before, because like rosin hadn't like completely taken off yet, you know what I'm saying? So like there was still some like BHO boys living the hype. I still like BHO humble uh, humble Turp Council fires, fuck, and then you got a bunch of turps that you can't that don't wash. Southern I, humble Turp, remember yeah, that Skittles? Oh. I saw some fucking wedding cake from humble Turp Council, uh, and it was cool because they blasted it and they washed it. And like the BHO version of it was like one of the one, you know, some of the best BHO I've seen in the last few years. It was super magical. Yeah. I, I like, it's not like, Hey, it's this or that. It's like, let's have both. Cause like you said, I haven't had OG rosin in a while. We were talking on off the mic before this, you know, the stuff we do for FSOTD. And, uh, we're talking about how we haven't seen too much OG rosin and how prized it is when you find a good OG rosin. Where with BHO, there was tons and of different versions. And it sucks because it's always like R&D rosin when you see it. Yeah. It's not productive. It's never commercially viable. I remember I was visiting uh, Kalia in Oakland before they made the move up north because uh, Oakland's a tough place to exist right now. Uh, and the West Coast Cure team was there to pick up their hardcore OG samples. And that was like, it was only like two grams of that. There was only like two grams of it for them. And I got to smell it before they left. And I was just like, oh my God. And that was probably legitimately like the craziest og rosin i ever saw in my life dude hardcore og rosin that's best bho amazing. too some of the best bho too i still have a, a jar of it you used to smoke in my freezer all the time the, 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 all the, the yeah the, the hardcore yeah. og i'm a massive <laughs> fan of like that strain like i used to talk to the russian assassins about it like i'm, I'm a big fan of the hardcore og and that's funny because i'm not like a massive og guy i like chems i like ogs but it's such a different when you say hardcore og it's very different from any other og it's this hybrid 
musky, funky. Yeah. Whoever did R29. Killer. For the, the monster. This is for the Emerald monster Cup entry. Heat, yep. This is a very special entry. You monster guys. Heat. Everyone was tripping on that shit. I had that shit second. Like, I was yeah. like, the only thing better than this is the OG because I think the OG deserves it because it's special. But that is like the hype. Yeah. Like, if you're going to smoke a thing that's kind of like papaya anyway, like if half the market's going to taste like this shit, Definitely you might as well amazing. just smoke that because that's sure bangers bomb. Fire. That's and crazy like, too. There's like one dab left in this, and the terps are like staining the inside Take of it. the jar. Take no, it. No, I just do it. It's Scrape cool. It I like out. to see two pasta farm Sherbanger. This is probably the best representation of Sherbanger and rosin form I've seen yeah, so far. It smells just like it. Yeah, I've I've seen some Sherbanger rosins where I'm skeptical, like if it's that or not. But like this, you can smell it, and you're like, yeah, oh yeah, that's it. Like, shout out Sonoma. Color. Yeah, tough place to exist, but you know they're doing it. You got a dope little uh, Terp container, bro. Yeah, we're trying, man. You know, it's a blast. <laughs> get out there, try and share Terps with people. Try and just, like, not show up empty-handed and just like, always be ready to have a good time, you know? It's half the, half the battle of being a journalist, you know? I don't want to look like that dude that just shows up like a mooch. I'd rather show up like, hell, have you tried showing so shit? Well, I'm rolling up that shit. Like, well, brother, we'll smoke that, too. Because <laughs> I was thinking, like, people are always like, oh, these journalists just getting all the free shit and like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, most of the weed I smoke, I buy. Like, and don't get me wrong, I get a ton of free weed, but I buy a lot of weed too. Like, it's like, because people like give me curated jars and shit. Like, I can't like really grade the market by this like special, like, by, by a jar with my name on it. Like, <laughs> that's a good point. Like, yeah, that's, that's a like, good point. You know, I appreciate it. Don't get me wrong. Like, this is a great representation of like what you're doing. But that's one of the, and that's another cool thing about working in the dispensary. I don't have to necessarily buy every single thing myself to see it because I can just pop open what they send for the people, for the masses. Like, I see myself right there every day. So, if you really try and bullshit me on something, and it doesn't happen too often, but it's happened a couple times. Uh, and then it's, you know, I just, I know, like, you know, we're carrying like a lot of the top dogs. I got Blueprint. I got Alien Labs. I got Anna. I got Fig. Like, I got David. Like, so, like, you know, we got one of the most monster menus in the state. So, it's like, if you're, if you're coming at me, you know, with the BS, it's easy to tell quick because our standards are so high, you know? You've traveled all over the world. What places surprise you the most with, like, yo, this is phenomenal product? Per capita? Probably Tenerife. Tenerife, Tenerife huh? Yeah, Tenerife. Yeah, it was crazy. There was some crazy heat on Tenerife. Yeah, uh, especially the rosin. The rosin I saw in Tenerife was probably like the third best rosin I saw in Europe. Shout out the to only- the boy Sticky House. Yeah, yeah that's like the game, yeah. man. Sticky House Tenerife. That's the gang. Oh, I love Sam. Family. Sam is great. Uh, I raged with hard with him like the last two times I've gone. <laughs> uh, great people. I was out there. They just opened the Sticky Lounge. So I was out there on 420 this year to celebrate that with those guys. It was super cool. Um, they're the only people I ever like tried to help get into the clash. Like, cause they're just on this, these dudes on the island. No one knows about, right? I was like, yo, these dudes, are, so I hit up, you know, you know, one of Brandon's right hand guys. I was like, Hey, these guys like won the Tenerife championship. I don't know if that's worth anything. I just want to like put that out there. Like, oh, okay. And they ended up finishing middle of the middle of the pack, but that's pretty respectable. That you go clash. It's all monsters. You know what I'm saying? So it's fun. Like I'm a, Total RTZ Roots believer. Looking forward to go out to rage with those guys again. Uh, but honestly, uh, as good as those guys' flower is, like I think the rosin on the island, uh, just because hash culture that close to Morocco, and I don't know what it is, but just like the rosin culture on the island is a little bit more advanced than um, 
the flower. But the rod, the rosin's crazy. Like after like, uh, you know, for me, Doc Hazed from mainland Europe, Doc Hazed is my guy. Like I think he's probably the best. He ended. He was on almost every podium that weekend this year at Spanibus. He was on Spanibus podium. He was on Masters of Rosin podium. He was on Ego Clash podium. Uh, and like he collabs with my the my my homie at Steve Engineering. Um, so like yeah, I, I'm a believer in Doc Hayes as like probably the best guy in Europe. And then I have uh, Hanami Gardens right after him. Hanami has Fire Flower too. Like it's, but like the, the rosin is like hyper special. And then I got his, uh, Hassan's right there too. That was the first person to show me Piatella, but I didn't know what it was. So last year I, I put Piatella at the fucking top of the Leafly list, right? And no one's ever written about it before. So now like if you Google Piatella right now, nobody knows about that shit because I didn't call it that. Like, but I was like the first one to write about it. I'm so salted about that. I wrote about like the strawberry limeade, like 90U or something fucking ridiculous. Uh, but you know, I didn't know what it was called. So yeah, shout out to Hassan's for trying to fucking put me on. Uh, but you know, I, I shot, my, shot myself in the foot on that one. <sighs> yeah, shout out to Hassan's too. He's got that exclusive episode. Yeah, I was about to say. On the website. Oh we yeah. A, we did an episode with him, yeah. Oh, Way back. He in, wanted to be blurred out in though, Spain. He wanted to keep it private. So it's yeah. on the website. In Spain. Yep. Yeah. Shout out to the family. They probably already saw that one. Yeah. 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 yeah that's a strong family right there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember when he busted out like those saran wrap ball thingy. I was like, God damn it. Yes. Welcome to the future. Let's go. Let's he go. Had fire what? How many years ago we went? He, had, he was busting out. Oh, fire. They sure. yeah. bless us big. Shout out to us. Same with Sticky House. He had the best run size on. He had the best run size on Europe to this day. Go support yeah. Hassan's. If you're in Barcelona, go That's Iberian Runs. That's what, like there was this joke. So Spanibus twenty two. Spanibus twenty twenty two. Uh, there weren't as many Americans there. You know what I'm saying? So um, we were a lot more exotic that year uh, than we were this year, for sure. And it was because like, people have been, oh, I haven't seen, See, Ameri we, we I haven't seen an American in years. We didn't go this year. For sure. So we're, but, but, but we're there in 22. Uh, you know, everyone's super hyped to see us. So it was funny. Like I linked up with Hassan's early uh, and I see the runs and I'm just like, I saw it like the first day. I saw his runs. I was like, oh, this is gross what what so like this is my immediate bar for like spanish is like you know spanish sweet and i just like i'm with uh mike from uh law comedy i'm just like iberian runs and so i just start calling it iberian runs and everyone starts dying laughing and like then so you we somebody come back and like a bunch of people over there started calling it iberian runs <laughs> and it was just oh that was a great one shout out to hassan's they're uh good good souls that's awesome. You basically rename someone's strain. Yeah, I, like, oh, I, just, I just put the, I just put like a geographic term in front of it. Yeah. And it stuck. It was great. <laughs> after the, after the pigs, right? The Iberian pigs. No, no. It's like uh Iberian peninsula, the whole oh, peninsula. Okay. That's what the whole Spain and Portugal is the Iberian peninsula. So that's where the Hamon comes from. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. What's, what's the pigs? The, the pigs black like, footed, yeah. black hooved pigs are like the most prized pigs in Spain for, for prosciutto ham hamon yeah, i guess it's so it. good and uh, it's so good i'll you know i'm i'm you can't bring it to america you can't bring it to america from and they're from that area because they're Haters. called iberian yeah. black-footed or whatever and they only eat acorns so oh. the meat is like super special and prized and yeah they don't they only wow. eat acorns and stuff they like taste that bomb yeah it's that's the expensive ones with the black foot i only know this because my stepdad is from spain <laughs> there you go boom yeah yeah what you what rolling you, yeah. up right there? Uh, this is a little bit more of the Tahoe from 3C. Bless their hearts. 
And I smoked all that uh, Sasquatch uh, sap early. <laughs> Didn't not much of it made it to the show. That was a great GG4. <laughs> It's a great GG4. That's rare these how, days. How many, how many blunts you average in a day? Uh, if I'm like judging something or like in like not just regular, or like a feed hunt, regular day, probably like probably like five or six. Only a couple to the face, like probably He's like getting after it. Probably I don't like no, dude. You look like more like a ten plus, dude. <laughs> but like to the face, three uh, chain smoking, three to the face usually in the morning, and then I start sharing a lot. Because by the time I start smoking the other one, so I'll smoke a bunch of the face in the morning, but then the other managers come in. So I'll start splitting, sharing them with people. And then I'll go home. I might face one at home, but sometimes I'll just get home and start writing. And then I'll like go out and wherever I go out, I'll start puffing hard again. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you roll joints still, or is it all blunts? Right on occasion, now? I roll the joint because uh, somebody asked me to for him like two <laughs> weeks ago. This little old lady at, at the shop. Like, can you roll me a joint? I was like, let's, we're gonna find out, lady. Let's. let's <laughs> <laughs> we're in this together now, girl. You <laughs> you brought us down this path, <laughs> but it was you know what I gave her was functional. It was a dry, you know, put a filter in there. Blah, you blah, rolled blah. some like older lady a backwood. <laughs> <laughs> some Tahoe, yeah, that bitch. Like, Here, this will be a good afternoon. This will knock you out. It's I didn't bring my leave-in conditioner, but usually I have very flowing girls. And I'll have like the nice old ladies from Oakland come in, like, man, if I get your hair in a wig, boy, like, <laughs> <laughs> they want his hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's so funny. Oh shit, shit, man, what you got coming up? Oh, I got so much coming up. Uh, I got the new podcast with Hearst. Uh, Dropping a podcast? Yeah, it's already out. Yeah, I got two. We got oh. two episodes up. Uh, What's got it called? Na- got national distribution. Where do we find it? Smoking Bridges. Uh, right now it's on iTunes, uh, and greenstate.com. Uh, hoping to get some more platforms soon. I'm not like, you know, I'm just talent and bring them in. I'm just talent and booker on it. So like, I'm trying to, but yeah, they like, you know, I've, as I've shaken the trees on certain things, they've been like, oh yeah, we can do that. So I was like, cool. Like, so now we got, you know, got a little bit more distribution. Um, got a f- couple episodes up already. By the time this drops, I should have, uh, at least one or two more up. Uh, I'm just super excited. It took me like, I've been working on this for a year. This is basically, you know, with, these, with minus the LA weekly gig, this is uh, the most mainstream thing I've ever done from scratch. Uh, and so it's just like really exciting to just try and like normalize it as much as possible. And like put in, you have that, uh, that Hearst platform uh, to distribute cool cannabis stories from the Bay area. Uh nationally and just use that as a platform to tell them you know it's we're obviously going to you know cover the bay stuff like our first few episodes are like you know node labs fig pelly like but we're gonna you know cover all of it uh so i'm just happy to have that platform i waited to do it i didn't want to do it until i had distribution i could have kind of like raw dogged it you know and just like i knew a bunch of killers i could have posted zoom calls uh if i wanted to but i was really 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 wanted to wait until i had uh that apparatus of support around me to try and do it in the most professional way possible uh so it's been really cool to see it start to rev up uh and i'm really happy with the results so far uh so that's been dope the events of course um shout outs chronic culture uh neil and molly have been uh so helpful uh to me in like doing these things and like a lot of times uh jimmy's parties jimmy's parties but it's like you know neil and molly are like half the half the work like it's like you know 
it's these you know, of course you know trans bay and all that i was sure it was my idea and stuff but like the execution is a very team thing uh so i always want to make sure chronoculture gets its due uh and we're excited you know we're, t- we're taking the show on the road this year uh trans bay had traditionally been like a one-day thing uh we're doing the qualifying series this year we already dropped we already did one in, in sf uh i got sack booked for early july looked at a few locations for la while i was in town this weekend to link up with you guys and then uh looking at arcada i think uh on my birthday hopefully so that'll be august 6th so yeah this is you know trying to keep doing cool shit uh create value for cool people i try to keep it as cheap as possible you know the like uh the booth and like entry fee for the contest or like a g flat like for both of it uh i know it's tough times and you know so i see sometimes i see these conferences or other things like they get where i hear the numbers that are getting tossed around for how much it costs to do that how much it costs to do this like like i'm like oh you seeing the same game here right now like you know what i mean uh and i'm not saying i'm asking for like popper money or anything like that but i think i'm trying to keep it as fair as i can just like have enough cash to do cool shit you know what i mean like more lasers and shit straight up it takes a lot to put on a <laughs> successful event. Yeah. yeah. All you these, anything you're trying to bring to life in a real way is going to take a team of people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, costs have went up with doing business. Yeah. And unfortunately, profits went down. So everybody's getting squeezed. It's definitely crazy times. But shout out to Transbay. You've had good turnouts and it's popped off. Yeah, we've been time, able so. to blow it up every Super time. Blessed, LA man. was crazy. We That's an event people look forward to. So I'm just thankful. You know, when we did the last big one in LA, we sold out uh, so far ahead of time that we don't even like, we don't really have a real projection of how much we could have done because for so long, like those last like 72 hours before the event were like really big for us. And people were like, oh, I guess I am going to do that on Saturday. And like, I'll go buy my, let me go buy my ticket. Like <clears throat> we didn't even have a shot at those people because our tickets were gone like, you know, a week earlier. Like, so like it's fast. So it's fun to fathom what's possible for Trans Bay in LA in a situation where we have enough room for everybody. So this time I'm going in with the headspace that I want to have room for 2,000 people. Uh, and I think we'll do it. I think we will. And we're because we're going to have killers out. By that time, like everyone that qualified to be in the box deserved to be there. Uh, going to try and get more brands like outside. With the, the qualifying series, we focus a little bit more on flower and hash brands just because, you know, that's the whole point. Get, you got to find these guys, get them in the box for the fall. Uh, but when so when the big one comes, it's going to be fun to like get the edible companies in, get the ancillary companies in, and like that's uh, you know that's a big part of it too. Uh, so I'm just excited to have this. You know, I, I just try and be as inclusive as possible, and, and whatever I'm doing, if it's be it writing, uh, throwing my own parties, whatever, just like try and like give, give everyone a shot, and maybe they deserve it, maybe they don't. I'll know for next time. You know what I mean? But like whatever, like just try and like do the best I can with it. Boy, you're doing a great job, man. Appreciate you, G. I think everybody appreciates you out here in the community, and you bring a lot of life to things. So, you know, it's cool to see you working and getting paired up with the people that are, you know, help producing (laughs) and making it happen. Yeah, I'm just lucky to be in that situation where I get to, like, you know, cover the the game from, from doing it. And it gives, like, that niche is, like, part of my survival mechanism at this point, right? You know, there's more weed journalists than ever. We got AI. But, you know, as long as I smoke the fire first and, like, have a general clue about how this other shit works, I should be okay. <laughs> you got to figure if, like, it's, they switch to, like, AI weed journalism, everyone will be as, like, mad as they were about the state fair shit. So we're still at that level. We're good. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> shit, you got any shout outs? Yeah. Um, 
Shout out to CBCB. Shout out to the Green State team. Uh, shout out to LA Weekly, of course, uh, for always supporting. Uh, and all the, you know, I've, I've written for most of uh, the major cannabis publications that exist these days. So just everyone who helped me put a brick in the wall so I could do what I'm doing right now. I, I super appreciate it. And I look forward to continuing to telling tell stories about other people because that's like the coolest part of the job is like the way i create value for myself is talking about other people like and that's cool to just like in in, in a way that creates value for them like i could spend more time on the rainbow shit i could talk about everything that's fucked up but i just choose to like try and spend as much time creating this value as possible or you know hi- highlighting things that need to be highlighted uh, and that's, i'm just going to stay on that pony and try and smoke fire in between you know but shit man go team <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Nah, it is. It's dope what you do. You do create value on both sides, man. You've you've <laughs> even reached out. We've done some stuff with you, and we appreciate it for real. All that stuff helps uh, bring your project to life in a more public manner. Um, so it's very beneficial. So all the brands see it, and all the real game, play, you know, all the real people play and see it. And uh, we all appreciate you, bro. For real. hey, yeah. two way street, uh, like a thousand percent. Like the the community is why I get to do it. So like just like anything i can do to help like just you know hit me up I'm, i like to try and be I try and be one of the most accessible guys accessible guys in the game you know i'm not how can people find you and get in touch with you uh dm me on ig uh what's your a, contact uh at the jimmy divine uh and then i got a contact form on my website if you want to do it that way whatever's clever like, what's the website the, uh or jimmydivine.com jimmydivine.com at the jimmy divine two eyes yes j-i-m-i well, I only did it that way, like back in the day. Was, I kind of wanted, like, honestly, I did be like a shitty kid because I was just like a little fucker. And I was like freshman in high school, like, how do you want to write your name on your jacket, Jimmy? Oh, it's spelled like this. Just to be a little shithead. And then so uh, I get to like, then I get to, but I get stuck doing the weed shit. And I was like, oh, we'll roll with this because this weed shit don't work out. I need James to be clean. Like, so like, yeah, the so weed shit works James. out. Yeah, it gets right, to be fucking. We got it. We got I really it. get to get But it. that was common knowledge. James, Har- James Harvey Divine. It. That's that's facts. I never like James Devine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I never claimed otherwise. But it was up there at the CBCB. Once shit worked, once shit worked out, I got to be Jimmy forever. All right, man. Well, shit. Episode one hundred and one. It's first smoke of the day. Jimmy Devine. We're out. Appreciate you guys. Peace.